Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. We are officially now in the 2017-2018 Heresy Hurricane season. And uh, I, my predictions, uh, yeah, I predict it'll be filled with heresy. <laughs> yeah, wow. Really going out on a limb there. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to actually open up the Bible, which is the Word of God. It is the inspired Theonoustos, God-breathed, inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word from God. And uh, the Word of the Lord will not perish, wear out, or any of those things. We can trust it and we compare what other people are saying in the name of God to this thing called the Bible to see if what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, it's always weird how that works out that way. And over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine and teaching put out there is far like not even close, far from what God's Word really says. In fact, what God's Word really says is so much better, so much greater, so much uh, more comforting uh, than what these people are saying. And the sad part is is that it really looks like a super strong delusion has fallen on much of evangelicalism so that they believe the nonsensical. They defend the indefensible. Uh, you critique or call out a false teacher and say what that person did was false, you are going to be taken to task, not the person, fellow or woman, who has spewed this stuff. They won't be taken to task. No, you're going to be taken to task for pointing out <laughs> that what they said is not true. Anyway. 
So, as I said at the opening of the program, it is now official. We are in the 2017-2018 heresy hurricane season. If you don't know what that is, that just means that (laughs) there is a really high chance of really bad doctrine, like, (laughs) being spewed more so than during the summer months. Yeah, at least the summer months here in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, I kind of have to distinguish that because we have a lot of uh, listeners now in the Southern Hemisphere. And, uh, you know, think back to the PCR conference in Australia, and it was really just a privilege to be able to, uh, you know, to meet so many of the listeners from down under. And so, you know, as we're heading into fall here in the United States, they're heading into spring. And uh, as we head into winter, they're heading into summer. You know, it's just strange how that works. You know, work, you live on a globe, you know, on a round planet yes we do live on a round planet are you saying you deny the flat earth roseboro yes i do the earth is not flat and no the bible does not teach that anyway so um so we are like i said in heresy hurricane season and we're going to kind of ease into it a little bit and uh and we're going to do a little bit of comparing and contrasting to the latest prophecies uh, being put forward by uh, YouTube prophet types as well as NAR types. And uh, uh, we are going to have a star-studded cast today. It'll include Kay Nash. Mm-hmm. It will include Glory of Zion. You know, they're open mics that they have there <clears throat> uh, prophetically. It'll include Cindy Jacobs. Uh, it will also include uh, James Gall, and uh, and it's just going to be, you know, let's just put it this way, kind of crazy go nuts, and uh, and so we'll do a little comparing with what God's word actually says about prophecy, yeah, from the prophet Jeremiah of all sources, and uh, we'll take a look at that in comparison to what it is that we're hearing these people spew, and so that will be. Hour number one. Hour number uh, two, we're going to mix it up just a little bit. Rather than our standard sermon review, we are going to review a special report put out by the Believer's Voice of Victory. This is Kenneth Copeland's ministry. And uh, I'm surprised I didn't find this sooner. This was published on August 25th, 2017. And it, let me just put it this way, it would not surprise me if this thing goes missing soon, after we draw attention to it. Because, I mean, Hurricane Harvey came and went, but as it was heading towards Texas, you know, remember last week I pointed out that the Copelands are in Texas, that as it was heading towards Texas, um, this special report included special prayers, you know, uh, the claim that we are to take authority over uh, things like hurricanes and stuff like that. And uh, and so we're going to we're going to review this this particular special report, because I I think this definitively proves that the teaching and the doctrine put out by the believers voice of victory, Ken Copeland, Gloria Copeland and the whole Copeland clan. Because uh, we're going to hear from uh, Ken Copeland's daughter. Uh, she's going to be leading this special report. The whole Copeland clan that buys into their false doctrine, um, that they are definitively now discredited. And you sit there and go, how can you say that? Because their theology, their doctrine, their claim that they can name it and claim it and verbally take authority with their words over Hurricane Harvey and their words did 
nothing. Absolute bupkis. Nothing. And, I mean, if this doesn't definitively prove that, uh, that you know, their doctrine is just straight up false, and I don't know what is, but so I thought I would bring that to your attention. So kind of mix it up a little bit in that sense today. So um, that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Now, real quick, um, I didn't mention this last week, although if you follow me on social media, I had mentioned this last week, and I want everybody to know that I have signed on to and agree with the uh, the Nashville statement. Now, if you're not sure what that is, you can you can Google it. Although it the <laughs> best way I could put it is the liberals are, are literally having kittens. Oh yeah, they they hate this thing. But the Nashville statement is, you know, it, it, the best way I can describe it is is that this is not rocket surgery. The Nashville statement is a statement that basically restates and correctly summarizes that man God has created man male and female. Hmm. That homosexuality, transgenderism, all of this nonsensical stuff going on regarding gender identity and things like that, and, well, sexual immorality of all stripes, including heterosexual sexual immorality, that it is sinful, Christ has bled and died for that, that people can be forgiven, and that as Christians they can bear fruit in keeping with repentance and uh, and so, you know, I, I want to make this very clear. I agree with the Nashville statement because the Nashville statement agrees with Scripture on these issues. Now, I will note that as a Lutheran, um, I, I had some quibbles with their doctrine of sanctification, but it was vague enough, you know, that I basically said, that does not prevent me from signing this. And uh, as a result of it, I signed on to it, and I think it's it, I think it's one of those things that uh, moving forward in the future, when it comes to places like Hillsong and others, I think a, a cogent question to ask somebody like Brian Houston is: Have you signed the Nashville statement? Do you agree with it? Yeah, I, I think that's going to be kind of, I, I think it's a useful document. I, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if a, if a public Christian leader who is a part of the megachurch movement or has a, a large following is getting squishy and stuff like that and just push them on this and say, have you signed the Nashville Statement? Do you agree with it or not? Mm-hmm. Because uh, <laughs> if they haven't signed it, won't sign it, and are very vague as to the reasons why they haven't, um, then uh, that may be an indicator of a problem as it relates to gender identity, same-sex sins, heterosexual sins, and things of that nature. And like I said, the, I mean, this statement, reading through it, I was sitting there going, yeah, this is... <laughs> Not rocket surgery. This is straight up pretty simple stuff. Like, For instance, article number one of the Nashville Statement reads, We affirm that God has designed marriage to be a covenant, sexual, procreative, lifelong union of one man and one woman as husband and wife, and is meant to signify the covenant love between Christ and his bride, the church. And this is, I totally believe that. And it says, we deny that God has designed marriage to be a homosexual, polygamous, polyamorous relationship. We also deny that marriage is a mere human contract rather than a covenant made before God. I think you kind of get the idea. Um, 
uh, you know, Article 2, we affirm that God's revealed will for all people is chastity outside of marriage and fidelity within marriage. It's like, who can quibble with this, right? And yet, pay attention to the liberals. You know, I can think of one in particular <clears throat> from Denver, and uh, and uh, she's not happy with this. Anyway, um, you know, this is just straight up what Scripture says. Okay, we deny that any affections, desires, or commitments ever justify sexual intercourse before or outside of marriage, nor do they justify any form of sexual immorality. It's like, duh. <laughs> you read your Bible, you sit there and go, yup, that's what the Bible says. Yeah, this isn't rocket surgery. Article 3, we affirm that God created Adam and Eve, the first humans in his own image, equal before God as persons, and distinct as male and female. That's right. Male and female are not some arbitrary, binary distinctions that that human society and culture has literally, you know, forced onto human beings. No, I mean, Scripture is clear. God has created us male and female. We deny the divinely ordained difference between male and female, render them unequal in dignity or worth. Great statement, by the way. Article 4, we affirm that divinely ordained differences between male and female reflect God's original creation design and are meant for human good and human flourishing. Bingo. Yeah, I mean, this is... uh, Like I said, not rocket surgery. We deny that such differences are a result of the fall or a tragedy to be overcome. Uh huh. Article 5, we affirm that the differences between male and female reproductive structures are integral to God's design for self-conception as male or female. Yep, we deny that physical anomalies or psychological conditions nullify the God-appointed link between biological sex and self-conception as male or female. Straight up, that's exactly right. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you feel like you're a z, whatever z is. You know, no, I'm I'm not a he, I'm not a she, I'm a z. Yeah, no, you're either a he or a she. And um, you, what what the doctor noticed when you were born and put on your birth certificate regarding the structures of your reproductive systems, yeah, that determines whether or not you are a he or a she. There's no such thing as a za or a b or a ooh or a uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I, I need to learn how to rap. I, I don't know how to do that. Anyway, <laughs> so again, Nashville statement, not rocket surgery, really great summary. Really great summary of what God's word reveals regarding the, the fact that God made us male or female, uh, what the purpose of uh, you know of sexual intercourse is, what it what it shouldn't be, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just a, a summary of what Scripture says. So uh, I have happily, boldly affirmed it, you know, signed on to it. And I want everybody to know that I don't, you know, my only quibble is on the doctrine of sanctification, but uh, I figure, hey, you know, that it was vague enough. Like I said, I can sign on to it, and as a uh, as a Lutheran, you know, we'll take on the doctrine of sanctification. But in its core, in its purpose, its core central purpose, as it relates to male and female, proper gender roles, identity, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. It's straight up what Scripture says. 
And uh, like I said, the uh, liberals are having kittens. So I just I just wanted to say that, you know, at the beginning of this year's uh, heresy hurricane season. So uh, we're going to get into um, uh, the program proper. I really feel like I need to do this before we get started, though. Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. You've been warned. Let's get into this. Get up right now. That's right, Robert Tilton and Hubabaconda. So it's uh, the top of the month. It's time for <laughs> all the latest and greatest prophecies apparently coming down the pike. And uh, we're going to begin today with Kay Nash for and her prophetic word for 2017. And since we're coming up on the uh, Jewish New Year, um, <laughs> we might even throw in uh, her, some of her the divine direct revelation she's claiming she's getting uh, <laughs> as it relates to the upcoming 5778 uh, Jewish calendar year. Here we go. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Living Well. I'm Kay Nash, and I'm excited to share September's prophetic word with you. The first thing I'm hearing is artisans arrive. Um, and this is what I heard from the Lord. Creative people will arise this month in new ways. Articians. You, you, you heard the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Does the Holy Spirit not know English? The word is artisan. Uh, <laughs> I, you just can't make this up. Okay. So the Holy Spirit clearly doesn't know English, and uh, the, and the the prophetic word for September is artisans. <laughs> Arise, okay. Wow, I had no idea that God, the Holy Spirit, did not know English. I well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you know, his, his native language is probably Hebrew. 
these seamstresses, sewers abroad, knitters, painters, rollerbladers, skateboarders, and many other artistic abilities will rise this month. <laughs> Skateboarding is an artistic ability? I mean, it, it's right, right up there with ballet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure God the Holy Spirit told you this? Kingdom of God. Media. I am insaturating this month the media with a new wave of my spirit. I'll begin to cancel shows that are ungodly. I am pulling out deceptive ads and putting new kids on. Um, and by kids, I think he really means kids in the kingdom and maybe literal kids too. Um, and then this was a prophetic word I got for someone specifically. So if you're watching this and this is you, um, you can comment or not. But I, I saw a vision of a woman um, painting and she had a sad heart and she was just broken over an affair. Um, and people were like leaving her. Um, and the Lord says, rise up, beloved, and take your place. Um, you are still among them. And not to be insecure in this season. So, Yeah, no insecurity if that's you. If you're th that person that happened to you, I am so sorry. God bless you. I hope that the Lord really blesses you and restores your heart. And, you know, your position is not based on what happened to you. Your, your position is based on your anointing. Uh, what? Her position is based upon her anointing. Okay. Now, David had an, an affair and he murdered someone, but he yeah. still remained king. And God was able to restore into order things that were not in order. And I pray that God can restore things in order. Yeah, that's a strange summary of uh, the aftermath of that whole affair and murder. To you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another part of the word I heard for this month was running the race. Um, I heard this. Move quick. So you heard running the race with the art artisans or whatever, yeah. It is time to gather. The next two weeks um, are a time to gather. Do not get distracted by people, but do what I tell you to do. You know, I think there's going to be the enemy trying to attack us with distractions. Um, don't give in to it. Right. Whatever you do, don't give in to the distractions. The enemy has sent those. Now, a little comparative work. Jeremiah 23, starting at verse 9. And this is a, one of the passages of Scripture that deals straight up with false prophets. Now, listen carefully. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of Yahweh and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers because of the curse. The land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house, I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Now, a little bit of a note here. You note that uh, Kay Nash began her September prophetic word with a special super word, direct word for somebody who had an affair. Uh-huh. That, that person committed adultery. And she didn't point them to the cross point them to repentance, point them to 
appeal to God to be forgiven. She spewed some nonsense about, no, no, your your identity is in your anointing. Uh-huh. Now, so you're going to note here that Jeremiah in his day was dealing with the fact that there were false prophets, and uh, these people were running around the landscape while adultery was running rampant in uh, his time. So the land is full of adulterers because of the curse the land mourns. The pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil. Their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares Yahweh. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people, Israel, astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hand of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me, and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says Yahweh of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food, give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes." Isn't that interesting? I mean, over and again, isn't that not what we hear coming from these so-called prophets today? The, the, the text goes on and says, They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of Yahweh. They say continually to those who despise the word of Yahweh, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the council of Yahweh to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word? And listen, behold, the storm of Yahweh. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of Yahweh will not turn back until he is executed and accomplish the intents of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them. Yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Uh-huh. Note here, over and again, and you, you know, the Scripture is so clear on this. It is as if the prophets of old... They were the attorneys prosecuting those who were sinning, calling them to repent and to be forgiven. But we don't hear that from any of today's prophets either. So the text continues, Am I a God at hand, declares Yahweh, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed a dream. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What is straw in common with wheat, declares Yahweh. 
Is not my word like fire, declares Yahweh, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, um, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophet, declares the Lord, who use their tongues to declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares Yahweh, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. Notice that God does not take a neutral stance when it comes to false prophets. He explicitly says he is against them. And you'll note already in Cain Ash's um, September prophecy, um, there was a word for somebody who committed adultery, and she didn't turn that person from their sin at all. Warn them of God's wrath, call them to repent and to be forgiven. Fascinating, is it not? All right, we have more prophecies, including prophecies from Cain Nash after we return from the break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. Like I said, more prophecies for September. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. Deep in the Australian wilderness and also the typhoid-infested waters of the Bongo River, Captain Worthington and his ragtag group of men have found themselves to be hopelessly lost. Surrounded by the vicious savages of the Hamuku tribe, and now the TP has run out. It's been 27 days without food, and Private Jenkins doesn't care. Oh, do shut up, Nigel! We don't need you narrating every little thing that goes on. It's bad enough already. We don't need you reminding everyone about it. Sorry. Now, gentlemen, the hour is dying. There's not much hope of us getting out of this predicament with our lives or sanity. What are we going to do, Captain? Well, we can do one of two things. We can either die in a blaze of glory, charging the Hibuku tribe in battle, or sit on the riverbank saying to ourselves, Oh, Mommy, Mommy, please make the bad people go away. I vote for the second one. Shut the noise, you pansy! Now, Captain, I have an idea that might just save our hides from the impending doom on the other side of the tree line. Well, out with it, man. Out with it. I happen to have... In my possession, a copy of Zondervan's latest book, The Grimoire of Modern Prayer. Well, that's excellent news. We have TP again. 
No, no, no. We're not using it for that. Then what exactly are we using it for? Uh, it says this. With this volume, you can command and control the very will of God with relative ease. Oh. Are you sure we can do that? Well, the, the book says we can. Is there any proof? Well, Stephen Furtick did write the introduction where he explains how it's changed his life. Well, um, how does it work? Simple. We can choose from any one of these prayers. Get, get, get more things in. A book uh, approaching. Blasted. Perkins, get your act together and start reading from the book. It's our only chance. I don't know which one to read first. Uh, which ones do you have to choose from? Well, there's the Ascenting uh, Prayer, the Circle Maker Prayer, the Prayer of Jabez. The, the Circle One. Let's go with that one. Okay, the book says to draw a circle around what you're praying for. Well, that's us. Quick, men, draw a circle in the dirt around us. Step two, begin to pray for whatever it is that you're in need of. I really want a Ferrari. A Ferrari. You nitwit, we need protection. Now pray, audaciously. Oh, Lord, we are not going to leave this circle until you rescue us from our enemies. Amen. Thank God, Nigel! Are you sure? Pretty sure. Unless he can breathe without his head being attached to his neck. Oh, dear. Well, there goes our narrator. What are we going to do, sir? Well, the circle prayer didn't work, so let's try something else. Packins! Working on it, sir. I, I think I got it. I, I don't believe it, sir. The Hubuku the, Drive didn't have catapults. Jumping Jehoshaphat. This next prayer had better work, Perkins. This one will work. It's the uh, it's a Sun Sandstone Prayer. What good will that do? It's in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter what you think. This is sure to work. We just have to have audacious enough faith to ask God for the impossible. You heard the man. Get praying. I still want a Ferrari, a pet raptor, no gets. Ooh, and better sex. You're just not getting this, are you? Captain, they, 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 they now, now have, have, Well, this is impossible. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. <laughs> and what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, uh, we throw them in the boo box. 
no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if um the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that God doesn't have a neutral stance towards false prophets, but that he is against them because his word says he is. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you under the world, and you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. That's right. There's different ranks. You get to pick them. Lowest rank, Powder Monkey, $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate, $24.95 a month. Master Gunner, after that, $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it all right let's head back and uh, continue with our prophetic words for september 2017 let's check in uh, again with uh, k nash september 14th will be a shift in the spirit um and begin to sl- you'll begin to slow down in that season so the first half of the month we're going to be getting- all right so september 14th there'll be a shift which is one of our prophecy bingo card words, by the way. And uh, and so things will slow down after the shift. Okay. There's going to be like a harvest at the beginning of the month. Yeah. And then after that, there's going to be a slowdown. And we're going to start to prepare for Rosh Hashanah. We're going to start prepare to to be in the time of the secret place with the Lord. We're going to prepare for the time of the secret place. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you'll probably feel a shift in the middle of the month, you know. Every- <laughs> Yeah, you'll feel this the shift. Yeah, it it it, it you know, prophetically things will go from like fifth gear down to fourth or maybe third or something like that. It's different, but around September fourteenth, you're going to start feeling a shift. Some of yeah, you might be yeah. September thirteenth or the fifteenth or whatever, but around that time, you're going to feel a shift as they'll be shifting you this this Rosh Hashanah into new beginnings. Um, the second two weeks will be still and birthing. Sit still and remain in labor until the baby is out. <laughs> what? Um, you know, I signed the Nashville statement, and um, <laughs> because of that, I don't think I'm personally going to be birthing anything. 
Um, that would be a, <laughs> a total confusion of gender roles. Isn't it interesting that uh, these false prophecies blur proper gender distinctions and roles? Isn't that fascinating? All right, let's kind of leave her for a second. And uh, let's check in with one of my favorite places, Glory of Zion out there in Texas. And uh, let's uh, listen to the so-called Apostle Chuck Pierce as uh, he spews prophetic words and stuff you know, during their Prophecy Open Mic segment. Here we go. Father, we ask you right now, during this week, for you to open our eyes into a dimension that we're not seeing. Right, yes. So... Um... Which dimensions do I need my eyes opened to? I mean, I seem to get along just fine with the dimensions that I currently can see into, you know, the three here, you know. Remove any veil that's holding us from seeing clearly. Right, yeah. Anything that's covering our vision. It says the man who clearly is spiritually blind. Father, it's almost like we're looking at situations, but we're not seeing the real key. And uh, the Lord says, let me put a guard over your mouth. Yeah, I wish he would put one over yours. Yeah. Oh, your heart doesn't speak before you see. The Lord says sometimes you're speaking before you see correctly and creating an atmosphere that is reinforced by the enemy. Oh, no. Yeah. See, you know, if you speak with, before you really understand the dimension thingy, then you can accidentally create bad atmospheres. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of begs the question, where is this doctrine of atmospheric creation using our words found in script? I have yet to run across it. Um, if you've seen it, I mean, could you track it down for me and maybe send me an email? Let me know where the atmosphere-creating uh, passages are, you know, that says, Thus saith the Lord, if, if you speak with your words, you can create bad atmospheres. One thing I know that this last... No, he's passed the mic on. ...week when Chuck was prophesying about seeing and... The Lord said, I'm going to put a new lens over your eye. Oh, wow. God's going to put a new lens over my eye. Yeah. Is this like cataract surgery or like, you know, that, you know, what do they call that? You know, where you, you know, you, there's, there are surgeries for that. Yeah. And one of the things that I began to see, I don't know, just like the last week was that I did not understand the power of joy. Wow. Yeah. That joy stuff. It's powerful. I did not get it. And I didn't know how to approach the Lord with joy, which, cause it was almost like confidence that was just above and beyond what I had walked in um, before, before the Lord. And so this last week, man, I have just felt like my glass was filling with like a carbonated water <laughs> that just kept going up and up and up and up. And it- so your glass has been filled with carbonated water. I'm not a fan of carbonated water. I'm just saying, you know. Like the the, the vibration of joy itself is it's high. Yeah, carbonated water doesn't bring me joy. I, I don't. I really don't even like the taste of it. You know. High. It's above. It's beyond. You know, that Perrier stuff. Blech. It's like get up in here. Get up in here. And so, Lord, we just declare we're seeing. We are seeing. We are seeing. We are seeing more than we've seen. 
She's creating an atmosphere crazy there, yeah. Oh, a mental state, and we push up into a place in the spirit, Lord, and we thank you, God, for the overcoming power of joy, and thank you for cleansing and washing our eyes and giving us a new lens to see through. And people were clapping for that. I have no exact reason why to be able to explain that. Uh, let's check in with uh, Cindy Jacobs. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, she's a, another self-appointed apostle at, and uh, and her prophecy regarding roadblocks. Yeah, see if you can make heads or tails of this. As I was praying, I saw this vision, yeah. and it was of roadblocks. It's like everywhere you went, there were these blockages. You could not get through. And I see the Lord saying there is a spirit of delay. Now that's oh no, <sighs> yeah, those spirits of delay. That's almost as bad as the spirit of procrastination. Unusual thing, but that's what I'm getting. There's a spirit of delay uh-huh. that is stopping you from getting where you need to go. I see. The spirit of delay. Yeah. Do they work for Caltrans? Some of you, I see, not only is it delay, but I see what we call an occult spirit. Now, the word occult means hidden or, hide, or, or hiding. And many people don't understand how this operates in a person's life. And a cold spirit... Right. Well, maybe you can, like, bring some clarity here to let us know how this occult spirit works. ...will hide the way to go. And many people have said to me... The occult spirit will hide the way to go? What? Recently, there feels like there's so much witchcraft right now, so much opposition. And Yeah, I... I, I believe that there is a lot of witchcraft is coming from people just like you cindy and i would probably lump you in with that group this is true and how it's working is bringing delay in your life delay from getting to where you need to go it's right yeah well maybe it's because when you know although what are we 10 days away from this slowdown in the spirit Straighting you and the other thing is there is seemingly like a an occult spirit seemingly like it isn't really an occult spirit, but it's seemingly like an occult spirit, right? But what I see how this works is it's bringing you confusion. Yeah, You're I'm confused by this prophecy. Able to think straight, uh-huh. and not only that, you're not able to see the way to go. So right. Um, okay. First, bind that occult spirit in the name of Jesus. That yeah, just get right to it. Just start binding that thing. The witchcraft. Are you sure it's there? It is stopping you from seeing the way to go. And right now I ask the Holy Spirit just to begin to breathe upon you, to begin to blow upon you that that, that, that what is stopping your vision will dissipate in the name of Jesus. And I bind the spirit of delay and we say there will be no more delay. There's some- no more delay. Yeah. The, the basta, man. You that you've been waiting a long time. For certain things to manifest in your life. And this is what I see. Don't declare detente with the enemy. and don't No, don't do the declaring of detente. That would be bad. Say, well, I'm just going to give up on that because God has given you vision in your heart. Uh-huh. God has given you a... He has? And God has given you a Jeremiah 29 purpose. He has... Pl- yeah, no, actually, you remind me of one of those Jeremiah 23 false prophetesses for you so don't let the enemy's delay 
cause you to be discouraged and downhearted because that occult spirit, I just felt something really break over you. That occult It broke over you, yeah. Which you are you referring to? Who who is the person the occult spirit thingy broke over? Spirit is being broken. The roadblocks are going to be taken away. You're going to see your way ahead. And right, so you'll be able to get to work faster. You didn't know what to do. You're going to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and you're going to know the way to go. God bless you. Love you. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so I'm um, not sure what to make of that. Uh, let's uh, check in with Murr Ministries and um, the uh, the prophetess there of Murr Ministries. As she explains to us what the Lord is speaking to her for September 2017. It's Heather Kernew here with Murr. That's her name, Heather Kernew. Okay. Ministries, and um, I'm so glad you you joined me. Yeah, I, I yeah, I know. Me too. I mean, it's just great. A brand new word from the Lord for the month of. September. Oh, it's freshly minted. I could hardly wait to hear it. September 2017, and let me tell you something. It's well, it's going to be a month that's absolutely lovely. Lovely. Oh, man. I just, that's just great. September's going to be a lovely month. Lovely. <laughs> no natural disasters or anything bad happening. There won't be earthquakes or hurricanes or cyclones and, and, uh, wars and things like, no, September, man. God has declared peace for the month. It's, it's just going to be lovely. Just, that's the only word I could describe it. It's going to be lovely. Wow, that's great. So the Lord directed me, and if you would join me now, to turn to Psalms 131. All right, so God told you to go to Psalm 131. Gotcha. I really believe that this is like a foreshadowing of of, um, what we're supposed to do. In this month of September. Okay. Uh, okay. So Psalm 131 only applies to September 2017. That doesn't sound right, but okay. Psalms 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Mm. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Right. Only to be applied in September of 2017. That's why God had that psalm penned. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So I just thank you, Lord, for that foreshadowing. Foreshadowing of September 2017. And um, and the Lord directed me to take a close look at the feast this month. I don't know if you know anything. You sure he he did that? About this topic, but um, there are all kinds of exciting Jewish holidays in the month of September. And um, this particular month in the Hebrew calendar is the month seven, the seventh month. And so seven. Okay. Uh, represents union with God. And so there is... Right, so there you go. So the the Hebrew 7, that's, that's a union with God month, yeah. 
going to be an exciting number of things within the Jewish calendar that are going to dominate what happens in the seen realm and the unseen realm. Right, yeah, right. So the Jewish New Year is this year, uh, this month, and it starts in and around uh, September the 20th. Okay. Yeah. Leading up to that, there's a holiday. Isn't the rapture like on the 23rd? Yeah. Lela says shot. And I, I yeah, she doesn't know Hebrew. Probably did not uh, say that um, correctly. Yeah, not even close. But that day is is traditionally a day where the Israelites would come together to pray and ask the Lord for forgiveness. And if you take a look in Psalm... You should start. Yeah, you should ask God to forgive you for your false prophecies. All right, let's check back with uh, Kay Nash, who, by the way, I mean, not only did she come up with a prophetic word for the month of September. Yeah, I mean, God spoke to her and um, and told her about artesians. Um, <laughs> that's what she was hearing. I'm, I'm just saying. So God, the Holy Spirit doesn't know English. Uh, she also had a prophetic word for the Jewish New Year, which is uh, coming up here uh, for the prophetic uh, five seven seven eight thingy. Um, let's see what God apparently told her. Hi guys, I'm Kay Nash, and I'm excited on this episode of Living Well to share my prophetic word for Rosh Hashanah and the year of five seven seven eight. Um, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year for those of you who are new to Jewish customs and culture. Um, and on the Jewish calendar, it's 5778. And a lot of times God will prophetically speak not only for the traditional New Year of, you know, 2017, 2018, something like that, but he also normally speaks prophetically regarding the Jewish year as well. This is the word. Really? Yeah. So, so God also, every new Rosh Hashanah, God is going to speak prophetically. Really? Really? That I'm hearing, I'm hearing abundant rain. Uh, abundant rain is the word I'm hearing for five, seven, seven, eight. Abundant rain. Oh, um, <laughs> better let the people know along the Atlantic coast that, uh, abundant rain, I mean, and p- let the people know in the Caribbean that that doesn't f- bode well. I mean, that could mean hurricanes. I'm just saying. And another word that I'm hearing is multiplication. I believe the abundant rain word is the main word, but I'm going to start out with the multiplication part. What I felt from the Lord is that there's going to be a 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest in this year. What if I'm not a farmer? Now, if you want to get into this harvest, you actually have to sow a seed. <laughs> um. It's not even planting season here in North Dakota. I, this is harvest season here. Um, if I sow a seed right now, it's it'll freeze. Um, okay. Now, the problem with this sometimes is that people don't read the whole entire parable. They only read the 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. Uh-huh. And so then they don't get a 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest when they... Right. If they would just read the whole parable, then they would know what they need to do to activate the, the harvest thingy. Their seed because they're not reading the whole parable, and they get bitter, and they say all this stuff is fake, and I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, what are you talking about? 
Well, there's certain character and certain structure to receiving the 30, 60, and 100 fold harvest. And that is what we're going to break down. Now, this is truth. This might be a little harder to swallow. Okay. But this is for those of you today who are ready to chew the meat and you say, you know what? I've been sowing. I haven't received a harvest. I don't know why. So all these all these farmers out there have been farming and in putting seeds in the ground and not getting any kind of harvest. Hmm. That's what we're going to unpack today. Now in Matthew 13, it talks a lot about the different kinds of things that happen to a seed, you know, and it all depends on where the seed is planted. Now, before I get into that, you have to actually sow a seed. Right, get busy. I mean, because apparently in Matthew 13, Jesus was telling you, you've got to sow a seed. You know, I specifically feel this year it's finances and stuff. You know, there is time seeds, but I need to sow finances. Yeah, that's not what Matthew 13 says. Yeah, if you have your Bible, let's take a look at uh, Matthew 13. Does, you know, it, it, Jesus actually explains what the seed is. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It He does it quite clearly, actually. Uh, Matthew 13, we'll start at verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat, sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed. And he sowed. Some seeds fell along the path. Birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So there you go. There it is. I read the whole parable. And, of course, when the disciples heard the parable, they were going, what, what does that mean? <laughs> so next te- next verse, verse 10, the disciples came to Jesus and said, why are you speaking to them in parables? And he answered to, uh, to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak in parables to them, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull with their ears. They can barely hear, and their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, repent, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. So let's test to see if Kay Nash's eyes are actually open, right? She claims that Jesus is teaching us through this parable that we need to sow finances and stuff, right? So let's see if her eyes are open, all right? So Jesus said, blessed are your eyes, they see, and your ears for they hear. For truly I say, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So hear then the parable of the sower, verse 18. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So what's the seed in this parable? It ain't finances. It ain't stuff. It's the word of God. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so when someone goes out and proclaims and preaches the word of God, right? As for what is sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. Notice it says that. Hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Indeed, he bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and in another thirty. Uh huh. So by Cain Ash claiming that she is hearing from God that you know we need to sow a seed so that we can experience a hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold, and that seed is finances and stuff. This proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that she does not understand the kingdom of God. Not not at all. She is hearing, but not understanding. She's seeing, but she's not perceiving. She is deaf spiritually. She is blind spiritually because this parable, this text, is about the seed of the word of God being sown. I feel an anointing to talk about that. I felt more finances and stuff. So I want you to think about, is there any financial seeds that you need to sow somewhere? Now, the reason it matters where you sow is because the Bible says those on good ground will receive a 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest. All right. So you got to sow your finances on good ground. That's not what Matthew 13 says at all. You have to be looking where are you sowing, number one? And number two, what are you doing when you sow the seed? You know, there's different things that choke the word of God. You know, so if you're believing for these 30, 60, 100-fold harvests, and you're walking in the deceitfulness of riches, you know, you're only sowing a seed so you could become a millionaire. Now, there's nothing wrong with you sowing a seed to become a millionaire. but what Oh, yeah, there is. Plan on doing with that money? You just plan on buying yourself a giant yacht and not giving it back to anyone? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You can't sow a seed to become a millionaire. The Bible doesn't teach that. And anyone who thinks they can is a greedy money grubber and somebody who worships mammon. God ain't going to bless you like that because in James it says you have not what you ask for because of your ill motives that you want to spend it on yourself. Yeah, James wasn't talking about if you sow a seed with the right motives, then God will make you a millionaire. Yeah, that's not what's going on in James chapter 4. Yeah, I think you get the point. You know what? I'm looking at my time here. I <laughs> We're going to have to come back to this. I, I wanted to get to James Gall. I'll have to save him for later in the week. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Yeah, this is a special report on Hurricane Harvey that I don't think the uh, Believer's Voice of Victory really wants you to be watching right now. But stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. 
High Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. This aren't normally our sermon review spot. We're switching it up just a little bit. I think this is the uh, special report that the Believer's Voice of Victory probably doesn't want you to look at right now. So we're going to review it right now before it disappears. We got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's special report <laughs> comes to us from the Believer's Voice of Victory Network. The name of the video is Hurricane Harvey Special Report. This special report will be led by one of Kenneth Copeland's daughters, who's married that Pearson's fellow. And this definitively proves their doctrine is bogus. For all their claims of having authority over the weather and stuff like this, they failed to keep Harvey from wrecking Houston and other parts of Texas. And uh, I'm surprised they haven't pulled this yet, so I'm glad we got to it before they did. So let me go ahead and Back off on the music, and without any further ado, here is the Hurricane Harvey special report from August 25th uh-huh, of this year. Here we go. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory special report in the face of the storm. I'm Pastor Terry Copeland Pearsons, and thank you for joining us tonight. No, actually, you're not a pastor, lady. Uh, God's word forbids women from being pastors. There's no such thing as a female pastor. Yeah, there is. There just isn't. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's like you know Bruce Jenner saying he's a woman. He's not. Bruce Jenner is a male. Because we have a situation here and an opportunity, an opportunity with this network to bring together people of faith who know how to use their faith in a position of prayer. 
All and, right, so you got to use your faith. This is gonna this is gonna stop Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> if you haven't read the news, uh, they, they didn't succeed. You are probably well aware there's a storm in the Gulf of Mexico that has got her his sights right on the Texas southern coast and there's something that we want to do about it i have very special guests with us here tonight this is captain thomas amos u.s navy retired but he's also the chief meteorologist for the fort worth air traffic control center and above all of that a member of eagle mountain Mm -hmm. international church so we have not only someone so he's deceived he's a deceived meteorologist got it he's had a lot of experience on the water, as well as meteorologists and oceanography, a scientist, yes. 43 years in the military, but yes. now chief meteorologist right here in Fort Worth for Fort Worth Air Traffic Control, but also, more importantly, a man of faith who understands the Word of God and authority in the no, world. No, if he understood the Word of God, he would not have anything to do with Ken Copeland Ministries at all. So we are very blessed tonight to have his input, his information and instruction. And then, of course, most of you well acquainted with Pastor Greg Stevens with us here tonight to help us as we come together and we take apart not only the storm, but the word of God and how to stand against a storm like this. And, of course, we know if we can stand against a storm as real as the one that's in the Gulf of Mexico right now, we can use the exact same principles to stand in faith in a storm, no matter what kind of storm it is, whether it's financial. Ah, so notice, this is their name and and claim it word of faith heresy being applied to the storm, and we can apply it to finances, too, because that's what they're all about there, aren't they not? or, Or whatever the situation, safety of any kind. So... You being in the military, you know some things about rules of engagement. Is that right? And what would you say some of the very top, most important thing to know as you are about to deal with an enemy? First off, you got to know your enemy. Got to know the enemy. And know what he's capable of. Um, Isn't our enemy the devil? So uh, we're going to try to take that apart some tonight and talk about that, not in real depth, but just to let everybody know what we can do in the spirit about the storm. Oh, so we got to do something in the spirit about the storm. The storm's our enemy, Har- Harvey? So the enemy here, we know that we have a, a twofold situation. We've got a spiritual enemy who seeks only, only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's not Jesus. That's Satan. Jesus was very clear about that, the right. thief. Amen. But then the thief has weapons of his warfare. And so his weapons here is the natural realm, which right. he, under the operation of the curse, he likes to create great upheavals and right. use it to still kill and destroy. So let's get to know our enemy. Okay. So if we can walk back here towards the big board. So the current position uh, of uh, what is Tropical Storm Harvey right now is uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. So Harvey is our enemy. Okay. And this is the best track uh, based off of all of our models right now uh, from the National Hurricane Center. So this big cone or uh, circular area is the area of uncertainty. Uh, Because the upper level winds are so weak with this particular storm, it's hard for the models to actually figure out which track it's going to take. And this is a kind of a, a... 
overview of all the different models that we use to figure out where these storms are going to move uh, with time. So this is about 120 hours, about four days generally, of where the storm should go. And the National Hurricane Center is, is electing to take the, the safer route and uh, go with the, all the models that are kind of uh, coalesced together, uh, pointing essentially towards the Corpus Christi coastline. So we see a few bands that go in kind of wild hair directions, but the majority of them do seem to be taking pretty right. much dead aim for the corporate. So, no, I mean, this was before Harvey actually hit. I mean, they're still looking at, you know, the probable places that it could potentially go, and it was a tropical storm at the time of this special report. And Harvey's our enemy. Christie and from Corpus to Houston. That's correct. Um, with there. Right. Okay. And so if we can look now at, uh, if we go back one, there we go. So what, uh, what, one of the things that we're looking at right now is the amount of rainfall that we're expecting uh, with this particular storm. So this very dark purple on the inside from about the Corpus Christi area all the way up towards uh, the Houston-Galveston area, we're expecting over 20 inches of rain now. Uh, Possibly some isolated areas, which you might see about as much as 35 inches of rain in that uh, tropical system as it makes landfall. And, of course, predictability on these things is still got a wide margin of error, doesn't it, Captain? As The further out in time that you get, yes, especially out uh, past three or four days, it, it becomes uh, larger and larger. Okay. So then what? help us to understand what happens with hurricanes and why this track that it's got going across the Gulf of Mexico right now. We hear weathermen all the time talking to us about the warm waters and, and how does that all play in to the fact that we're probably at the very peak of the warmth of the, for, for the waters in this season. Okay, so water temperature does play a big uh, role, and right now the water temperatures in this uh, area of the Gulf of Mexico are between 85 and 89 degrees, and that goes all the way down to about 100 feet or so in the uh, water column. Perfect environment for a storm like this to develop, uh, and that's why it's expected to gain strength uh, by tonight, expected to be a Category 1 storm, and by landfall tomorrow, be a Category 3 hurricane with uh, expected wind speeds of over 110 knots. And those are sustained winds with a higher gust expected, too. Okay. Now, I believe you were going to explain to us then about the hurricane and that you had something to illustrate to us and help us to understand and how we can dismantle what needs exactly. to happen to dismantle this storm. So if we can go over to Yeah, so how do we dismantle it? What do we do? It's a big uh, whiteboard here. Kind of give you a, a real quick overview of why these things are so effective. So at the surface, uh, essentially, uh, you have all this wind coming together uh, near a center point, which is the, the storm center. And since uh, you have the surface of the earth down here, the, the air can't go down. And it's, it's only, it only can do one thing, and that's to go vertical. And so in the upper portions of the atmosphere, we're saying about uh, 15 miles, uh, between 10 and 15 miles above the surface of the earth, all this uh, mass has to go somewhere. So we're, we're, he's literally drawing on a whiteboard, giving us the anatomy of a hurricane. Kind of vents out, and we call that a, a, a chimney effect in the atmosphere. And so to pray... All of this is to help us understand our, men, our enemy so we know how to dismantle him. 
actually uh, neutralize this storm, what we need to do is see the upper-level winds change in direction and speed, and mainly speed, and shear off the top of the storm. So what, in essence, essence happens is you get a storm structure that kind of bends over like this, and it kind of caps off that big vent aloft and kills the storm. So if we pray... So we, we need to pray for winds to shear off the top of the storm and get rid of that chimney thing in essence to increase the the shear over the storm that will kill the storm let's look at greg and you had we talked about this earlier you commented something i thought was just really marvelous and here in matthew chapter 8 verse 23 we know the story of jesus getting in the boat it says uh, he got into the boat his disciples followed him and suddenly behold there was a violent storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered up by the waves but he was sleeping and they went and awakened him saying lord rescue and preserve us we're perishing he said to them why are you timid and afraid O you of little faith he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm tell us yeah a um, little bit of a note here let's take a look at that passage Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was asleep. So they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Yeah, you see, when you read the whole account, you realize the punchline is, well, wait a second, there's more to Jesus than meets the eye. Who is this fellow? What kind of man is he? Answer, he's the God-man. He's none other than God in human flesh. And nowhere in the New Testament, not one spot, Will you find any, any place where God or Jesus or the apostles give human beings authority over storms? Nope. That continues to be uh, the prerogative of God. In fact, if you have your Bible, you will note that in the Scriptures there is an account of a storm. Mm-hmm. After Jesus' ascension, this is the Apostle Paul. And, by the way, Luke is uh, on, uh, on board for the, uh, for the ride. In Acts chapter 27, I'll start at verse 9, and you kind of get the gist of what's going on here. Uh, Since much time had passed, the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, and not only of cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion, they paid uh, paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they should reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster 
Yeah, they knew what the name of this thing was called, the Nor'easter. Struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now, note here, the Apostle Paul, this is a guy who is an eyewitness to the resurrection. He's an apostle abnormally born. He is not doing what uh, Ken Copeland's daughter is saying we need to do. He's not going. He's not saying to the centurions, "Hey, take me up on the deck. I got to speak to this nor'easter. You nor'easter, you listen to me, and I'm going to exercise my authority, and I'm going to speak faith-filled words, and I'm going to put an end to you." Nope, not at all, not at all. So what? is happening here is straight-up false doctrine and false teaching, which, by the way, this is the core doctrine of the vic- of, you know, voice of victory, you know, believer's voice of victory, uh, whole program and ministry. Your faith-filled words create reality. So this is what they're teaching here. Uh-huh. Terry, Pastor Terry Copeland Pearson's is you know, teaching a false doctrine. But nowhere in Scripture are, are Christians given this authority. Not even the Apostle Paul exercised authority over the Northeaster. So pointed out about when that. When you explained that, mm-hmm. Captain, and he rebuked the winds. Amen. He sheared off the top of the storm. Right. He took the fuel. Right. He- yeah, no. Uh, no, Jesus did not shear off the top of the storm. And... Um, Keep in mind, Jesus is none other than God in human flesh. When he speaks to anything, storm, human being, animal, doesn't matter. Stars, planets, asteroids, galaxies, the universe itself, it has to obey him. He killed it. With his words. Amen. And his authority. (laughs) Of course. Uh, No, he killed it with the fact that he's God. The the Bible knows itself. Yes, right. Okay. So when he rebuked the winds, the word knew exactly what to do because it was the word created it. The word knew what to do. So notice the power isn't in Jesus, God in human flesh. No, the power is in the words. This is straight up heresy. So. That's so we don't have to have a meteorology lesson in order to deal with the storm. But when we see the power, the dominating power Mm. of the word of God, we can see that it's not a religious thought or just the way us Christians do it or some sort of magic uh, spell or some goofy something. This is actual the actual work of creation Amen. enforcing and demanding God's original plan to put it back in order. And Jesus knew exactly how. Uh, utter nonsense. 
to deliver that. So in each one of these segments that we have tonight, as we go through the steps of this, we're going to learn not only, of course, how the enemy works, but we're also looking at how to exercise our faith in a way that's effective and that does the work that it's designed to do. That's why we're going specifically to the word of God. So we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for revelation as you open the eyes of our understanding. As Jesus already knew when he spoke to the winds, he followed the leading of the spirit, understanding of the word, dealt with it, and the situation changed. And we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hey, we want to offer something to you tonight. If you'd like to, go to the uh, website on your screen. We want to give this to you tonight. No Fear Here by Pastor George Pearsons and Psalm 91 Confession Card. So you can just go to the website. Yeah, get your uh, out-of-context uh, Believer's Voice of Victory heresy uh, pamphlets and cards. Yeah. It's on your screen, and we'll be right back. Now, what comes next is a, a small teaching from uh, the archives of the Believer's Voice of Victory as Kenneth Copeland explains how powerful our words are. We have been bought back by God by the precious blood of His Son, Jesus. And all of mankind, as far as God is concerned, is free from the dominion of Satan. In the heart and mind of God... When uh, no, not... What? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're freed from the dominion of darkness when we're brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. See Colossians uh, chapters 1 and 2 on that. Jesus was raised from the dead. The power of death was broken over every man. Not just Jesus alone, but over every man, every woman, and every child. Far as God's mind and heart is concerned... We are redeemed. The whole human race is redeemed from the, the authority of darkness. Well, now it's up to us to receive Jesus, our Redeemer, invite Him into our hearts, and give Him authority over our lives. And that gives Satan no authority at all. So we've got to invite Jesus in and give Him authority. Doesn't that make me God? give Jesus authority over your life. Satan doesn't have any authority, but he's a thief. And he'll do his very best to just come in and just tear it up and take it over. So well, why don't Jesus do something about this? He has. He's given you his name. He's given you his spirit. And he's given you his mighty word. And his word, thank God the word of God says in Ephesians 6, his word is that sword. Hallelujah. Praise God. You take the word and drive him out. Amen. All right. So take the word and drive the devil out. So take the word and drive that enemy of humanity, Harvey, away. Authority. The authority. When you have authority, you know your authority. And where the authority comes from, that makes all the difference. Now, what about Jesus in this that we just referred to earlier in Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus' authority. But now the idea has been that, oh, Jesus, Son of God, whoo, look at the authority Jesus had. But we don't very often look at that and see ourselves in the boat. But Jesus rebuked the disciples. He got on to them because they didn't do it. So it wouldn't be fair. No, no, no. He got on to them because of their lack of faith. Lack of faith in 
him over and again. Read the New Testament. We are admonished to have faith in Christ, not ourselves or words. For him to rebuke them in in that situation for, for not doing what he did, if there wasn't a way and a manner in which they could and should. So... What was, why was, what was the example? What did Jesus do that he expected them to do? Well, the first thing was he knows where his authority resides, and that authority is in the Word of God. Now, the ultimate authority is with... Notice, the authority is in the Word, uh-huh. not in God. Now, she'll say it's ultimately will rest in God, but it's all about... This is magic, by the way, the authority of words. God himself, but he has invested all of himself in the word. In fact, we know Jesus and the Father and the word are all one. So we look at now at Psalm uh, 89. There are two Psalms, and we'll see the authority that Jesus stepped out on. In Psalm 89, verse 8, O God of hosts, who is a mighty one like unto you? Your faithfulness is round about you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves arise, you still them. Yeah, that's talking about God's authority, not mine, his. Uh, uh, Wow, okay. We have in Psalm 107, verse 28, they cry to the Lord in their trouble and distresses. He hushes the storm to a calm and gentle. Who does the hushing? God does the hushing. A whisper. Well, that's what I like. So that the waves of the sea are still. So Jesus on the authority of Psalm 89 and Psalm 1. No, 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 no. Jesus on the authority of the fact that he's God. 07 exercised the authority he had and that the word was already in his heart. He spoke it out. He didn't say anything that the father hadn't already said. And the winds obeyed. Why? Because the winds know where the authority is. They Amen. don't question Amen. because God and his word are the original source of the winds. And so that's where our authority comes from too. We operate in his name the same way he operated always. In yeah, the- no, we're not told to operate the way he operated. Where are you getting that? Name of the father. So that's an encouraging thing that has to do with the winds. So in case you just joined us, Captain Amos, who is the chief meteorologist at the Fort Worth Air Traffic Control Center and has been a longtime meteorologist and oceanographer with the with the military, with the Navy. If you would really quickly, sir, recap for us exactly what you told us just as quickly as you can. And then we'll look and look further into what these winds do. Okay, so real quickly. What we have in a, in a hurricane is a lot of wind coming together at the surface of the earth. It has nowhere to go but up into the atmosphere. And when that happens, out of the top of the storm, you get a lot of what we call divergence or wind spreading uh, the mass that is created here at the surface. has to evacuate somewhere. It's called a chimney. So what we, in, in praying about this storm, one of the things that we could pray about is an increase in wind shear over the top of this storm which would essentially drive that chimney effect off to the side, shearing off the top of the storm, essentially, and killing the storm after a a number of hours. That is how these storms work. I've seen it happen uh, many times in the atmosphere. The the top of the storm gets sheared off, and the entire storm uh, just weakens rapidly down to a small tropical depression. 
tiptoe and just gives the kind of rain that they actually are asking for That's in exactly the Corpus right. Christi area. But now these winds, the effect of the winds is not just in the hurricane itself right. as it makes landfall. That's, right. of course, the most fierce. But the problem and the destruction comes way out in front right. of the hurricane. So can you talk to us about that? So this is a forecast uh, graphic for the uh, uh, winds effect- affecting the Texas coast as this storm uh, moves up towards us. And this purplish area here that you see in the, cent- in the center of the storm is 90 mile an hour winds or greater. And that's going to be pushing a storm surge up towards the, the uh, Texas coastline over the next uh, two to three days. Now, if we uh, go over um, to the... Um, actual storm surge map, which is that one right there. And what you're seeing now in this purple area is where we are forecasting the storm surge for this particular storm. So all the way from the Houston-Galveston area to south of Corpus Christi down to Padre Island, we're looking at a storm surge of about 12 to 15 feet in that area. Again, that's all driven by the surface winds, but if we talk to the storm, we can change that. So the so. wind... The wi- if, if we talk to the storm, I think the person we need to talk to is God, don't you? ...are actually what create trouble on many different levels. Yes. Not only are they the source of the hurricane, so that chimney effect is why it's sucking up right. water. So exactly. it's actually sucking up that warm water out of the Gulf. And then we have the rain situation. So the winds are driving this hurricane forward. The- Just a reminder, whatever it is they claim to do, you know, in this uh, special report, you know, take authority over and cause the wind. It, none of it worked. These people utterly failed. Storm surge up to 12 feet. And then we're, this is our rainfall, I this believe. Is the rainfall. So talk to us about that. So this is the total rainfall over the next uh, four days. Um, and we're looking at uh, totals in this dark purple area of greater than 20 inches. And some of our models are saying localized areas of about 35 inches are expected. So they're not. Yeah, the models were right. And uh, the Copelands were uh, completely powerless to stop that. At some point, they quit talking about inches and they start talking about feet. And so that's a little bit hard for people to comprehend that have never actually been in a flood situation. And, of course, the flooding can come from just rain or from river overflow. But this kind, when it comes in a storm like this, it's so widespread. This is not talking about just a centralized community. But as we can see, the the threat area is, is wide, but then the rain's... Reaching out all the way over into Louisiana, yeah, New right, Orleans, right. which has already had a flood situation. Exactly. So this is talking about more rain that's coming, but that's on top oh. of a flood stage that they have already had. Yes, ma'am. So the the basis then, as we can see all this, then starts to be fear. Right. Fear. And I think it's important for us to realize that what, a, what an enemy fear is, but people aren't without cause. They're not just sitting there just fearing. There's justification for fear if you don't know right. your authority. If you don't know, if you don't have faith. We don't have authority over storms. To combat the fear, the reasons for the fear will come on you and overtake you. So, Greg, have you ever been in those kind of storm situations? Have you ever been uh, around these kind of rains? Well, or Actually, in the Air Force, I actually flew into a hurricane okay. in, in our plane. And uh, 
I was not in the state I'm in now spiritually. spiritually. And there was fear. <laughs> there was fear. <laughs> Absolutely. There was fear. But I, I thought about what you read while you, when you read the scriptures. And then, Captain, when you were describing shearing off the top of this, that the disciples who were in fear right after that said, what manner of man is this that even the sea? Yeah, that's the point. He's God in human flesh. And the winds obey him. Well, that's the kind and the manner of man that you are supposed to be. That we're- uh, No, I'm not a little God. I'm not God in human flesh. And no text tells me to go and exercise this authority. The Apostle Paul didn't even exercise this authority. Supposed to be, and that's people who understand the Word of God and our position and our place in it. That's why you clearly do not understand the Word of God. Tonight, we're offering this little book, No Fear Here, because Jesus was very Amen. paramount about not fearing. No fear, because fear will contaminate your faith, and without faith, you can't change that situation. There's not a... Yeah, without faith, you can't... Yeah, yeah. You, it's up to you, man. you got to muster up the... So this is faith in your faith-filled words. ...you can do about a hurricane. There's no way, humanly, to change it, redirect it. But I had the Lord say this to me. Actually, No, if the Lord was talking to you, he'd tell you to repent. It was at the time of Katrina, and he said, remember this... You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that you cannot prevent. So there are some things that... All right, so God told her there's nothing she can't prevent. So she's on it right now. She's going to prevent Hurricane Harvey from dumping feet of rain on Houston. That are stopped. You don't even ever know they were... might have happened. They're so prevented, they never even come on the scene. That you cannot prevent or stop... So situations that arise, but we completely stop it, it has no effect, or overcome. So there are many testimonies of people who stood their ground in the face of Katrina or others. Yeah, notice how um, this video didn't create a a testimony of victory for um, Kenneth Copeland's ministry. This is a testimony of utter defeat. Other situations, and in spite of the fact that the storm came, they overcame it with little damage, no damage, or even those that were seriously affected still came out better off than they were uh, beforehand because of that power of our authority in the name of Jesus. I know some people, one couple, one family, they lost their church. The whole thing was underwater. But they came out so blessed with two churches instead of one, a lot of money in the bank, and God continued to bless and prosper. So we have to remember that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so based on those things then let's let's go now to a a clip that we have of brother copeland's talking about fear let's listen to what he has to say about that and we'll come right out of that clip then and take care of business they're going to take care of business right after the clip i i hope you're sitting stand i mean oh man this is going to be amazing harvey doesn't stand a chance the copeland ministries is on the spot now you develop faith in life. 
Study about the life of God. Talk about the life of God. Talk about how much He loves you and what He did for you on the cross. Center up on it and talk about it all the time. Talk about it. Talk about it. I'm telling you, it it is shocking. I've said this several times today, but I really want to get it over to you. It is shocking how fast the love of God will flood your spirit and drive fear out of there. I mean, it just leaves. Like I said, fear is afraid. And it'll leave. Fear is, is afraid. Um, um, you just turn fear into a human. Glory to God. And, and things come up. And if there is the slightest bit of worry about it, you just, you just catch yourself and say, wait a minute, no, no. He, he that uh, fears not made perfect in love. Let's deal with this, Lord. I know you love me in this situation. I know you take care of me. I'm not the least bit afraid of this. And I pray entering into your rest. Remember that Hebrews 4? We labor, therefore, to enter into his rest. What rest? Um, That's talking about the Sabbath rest of salvation by grace through faith alone. That's what Hebrews 4 is about. The rest that his works were finished before the foundation of the world. My victory has been bought and paid for for centuries, centuries. Amen. So the first thing we want to do is just very quickly hit the highlights of Jesus in this situation with the storm. Then we're going to pray. First of all, Jesus came on the authority of the word. We've already proven that. We know that. Uh, No, actually, you haven't proven that at all. You twisted God's word to make that point. Came boldly, no question. He wasn't timid. We know that he spoke directly. Yeah, so you got you can't be timid. That he was in faith because he rebuked the disciples for not being in faith. We know he was without fear. For not trusting him. Because he rebuked them for their fear. We know that he came with an understanding of his authority in the name of God. You set your... No, you're engaging in eisegesis. ...in agreement with us and just say yes and amen all the way through this prayer and take note what we pray and how we and pray he it. gave the storm a name. Yes, that's yes. right. And his name is Harvey. Harvey. Father, in that name of Jesus. All right. So they're 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 now gonna they're taking authority over Harvey here. And just a reminder, this was rec- this was put out on the Believer's Voice of Victory YouTube channel on August twenty fifth. How'd that work out? I mean, they took authority. Let, let's let's listen in as they defeat Harvey. We approach boldly the throne and we've come to obtain the grace and the mercy that's necessary to put a stop to this storm and all of its damage that it would intend to do at the handiwork of demonic strategy. In the name of Jesus, we believe the love of God. We know that it is not your will to bring destruction of any sort or nature to the people of the, the southern coast of the United States. In the name of Jesus, we use that name, and we speak to the winds. We re- All right, so you're going to speak to the winds. How'd that work out for you again? 
the winds that are encouraging and empowering this hurricane. And in Jesus name, we speak to the winds and we command the the winds to come and to work for us and not against us. You work in the love of God and not in the fear of the enemy. You undo that hurricane in Jesus name. Winds. You, yeah, no, they're not humbly asking God to save them and to protect them. They're decreeing and declaring and taking authority and uh, yeah, how'd that work out for them again? Yeah, they it this was totally futile. Off, cut the top of that thing off. Do what you're supposed to do. And every other win, you cease and desist. In the oh, it's a cease and desist order uh, for the wins. Of Jesus, by the authority of his word, we give that command. We thank you, Father, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in that position and in that place, we stand and we say, Harvey, you come to nothing. Yeah, you come to nothing, Harvey. Yeah. Um, How'd that work out again? In Jesus' name. Now, undo. Come undone. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father. We give you praise and glory that the word works, that our faith is working, and we will not come out of agreement. All right. So they didn't come out of agreement. They were in full agreement. And they took authority over Harvey, and um, and they saved the day. I mean, it, this is quite the testimony, right? Now, what do we do from this point? I love this. You know, a little dog one time and. This little dog, I came out of my bedroom and could see all the way into the kitchen. And that little dog was in the trash can. He had a big piece of trash. He was pulling it out of the trash. I hollered at him. I hollered. I said, "Uh, Toby, stop. And he froze when he saw me. And then I just crossed my arms and I stared at him. I stared him. Yeah, yeah. He saw me and he (laughs) let go (laughs) and he backed away. From the trash can. There comes a time, according to Ephesians 6, uh, 12 and 13 and 14, when you're dealing with the enemy, having done all to stand, stand. Yes, stand. You, 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 You just talk to that thing. Yeah. There's a standing, not a pray and forget about it. Yeah, don't pray and forget about it. No, don't just ask God and, you know, and trust him and stuff. No, you gotta, you gotta decree, declare and take authority and stuff. But a pray and a stand. And sometimes the stand needs you to say, no, not going to be that way. Why? Because there are thoughts that come, mm-hmm. fear that comes, mm-hmm. circumstances that still look like they're they're barreling down the corridor to your house or to our coast or against what we prayed about. Nope. Haven't done all to stand. Amen. We stand. Haven't done. All- so do we send the bill to uh, Kenneth Copeland's Believer's Voice of Victory? Yeah, I mean, they failed. They they took authority over the storm and failed to and they totally failed. I think we should send them the bill for all the damage done to every piece of property in Houston. Well, to stand, we say what we said. Nope, not having it that way. Having done all to stand, we praise God for the answer. Having done all to stand, we pray for wisdom for all the officials. Having done all to stand, we believe that no evil or calamity comes now our coast. Having done all to stand, we believe our partners. Yeah, I mean, this really worked out really well, didn't it? 
protected in yes. Jesus' name. Having done all to stand, we believe that the, that the word of God is true and God's love is faithful. Hallelujah. So having done all to stand, we keep standing. And that means we take an active role until this thing absolutely stops, dies down, and comes apart. And we Right, know. yeah. You just you get out there. I mean, maybe if you, you need to be in closer proximity. I mean, you said Dallas-Fort Worth area, but what you need to do is just Go right to the Gulf Coast itself. I mean, right there on the beach, right where the storm surge is coming. You, then you talk to it because, it, it, you know, wait a second. Hurricanes don't have ears. They only have eyes. So, so what you need to do is you need to, you know, you need to take authority over it by writing something down on a poster board so it can see it. Yeah. Sometimes there are some standing we do by praying in the spirit. Sometimes hours at a time, Amen. staking that stand. So we don't we don't just say a prayer and forget about it. Having done all to stand, mm-hmm. we stand. And the power of a group. Oh, yeah, they stood, man. And and all their standing got them nothing. The Amen. power of agreement. Amen. So I'm... The power of agreement. All that agreement got you nothing. Expectation. You know, and you're in a wonderful position. So tonight you'll go That's into... Right. The control center, and you'll be and you'll watch the, the the storm being torn apart by God shearing the top off of it because He came into agreement with our words, right? And all the while, uh, Captain I'll Amos, what will you be doing? You'll be I'll talking be to it. You'll just be yeah, saying, "You'll be talking to that storm." Yeah, that's not praying, by the way. You need to talk to God. What will you be saying to that storm? Come apart in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, you you do that. Yeah, and tell me how that worked out. Coming apart. Just talk to it. Harvey, did you know you're coming apart? <laughs> Harvey, did you know you're coming to nothing? Amen. Harvey, did you know that you obey the word of the Lord? And yeah, well, he wasn't listening to you people. Just keep standing and standing. Praise God. So don't forget now, you can order your little book. Yeah, so that was the uh, special report on Hurricane Harvey from August 25th, 2017, where they took authority over that thing and just, you know, tore it apart. <clears throat> Yet history records that um, they didn't tear it apart, and Hurricane Harvey just went to town on Houston and caused all kinds of damage and flooding. And um, this, their their taking authority of it over it resulted in nothing at all happening except for total destruction for uh, Houston. Yep, this definitively proves that their theology, their doctrine, which is all heresy, the word of faith heresy, it's a lie. It's a complete and utter lie. They they did everything that they believe that they are supposed to do according to their false doctrines, and it resulted in complete destruction of so much of Texas. Yeah, so um, I think you kind of get the idea here. But uh, again, uh, I wanted to get this out there before the video disappears. And by the way, I have an insurance copy of it in case they do pull it, because I think this is the kind of thing that I might want to trot out uh, in the years ahead. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you and the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ is vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.